Now I don't know what life would be in H-I-P, H-O-P Without the boy H-O-P Not only N-Y-C, I'm hip-hop savior So after this flow, you might owe me a favor When Kingdom Come, you ready? When Welcome, Beauty Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Beauty Report podcast, energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of BeautyReport.com. It is a Wednesday edition of the show. We are in prime time. As we talked about this week, Beauty Report Scott Reynolds is on vacation in Colorado, so we're bringing in a slew of guests day by day, and I am very excited to have joining me on the show today from WDAE. The only thing larger than his goodwill personality is his biceps. By order of the Peaky Blobners, from WDAE, the J&Z show, it is Zach Blobner. Zach, thank you so much for joining the show today. How you doing, my man? I feel like I got to step up my intro game for when we have you on our show because you just outdid any intro I've ever done for you, for myself. Uh, here tonight, man. But happy to be on with you. Always happy to chop it up uh, on the Bucks, but specifically, you know, we have a lot of good conversations. So I'm excited to kind of get into a lot tonight, man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're going to be kind enough to give us some of your time on tonight's show, I got to make sure I bring it. I got to make sure I, uh, you know, present the host or the co-host in this situation in the uh, in the best way possible. So I thought you'd appreciate that. You had a great Kentucky Derby outfit. A couple weeks ago with, uh, I believe it was Peaky Blinders theme. So I want to give a, a quick shout out to that. Um, Zach, before we start talking about the box, and there's a lot to get into for sure, whether it's the offseason that's already been had or what's to come with OTAs around the corner and, of course, training camp. I uh, just want to ask you a little bit about the J&Z show. Uh, I don't even think it's been a full year yet, but for you, I know how much you've grinded from producing the Ronnie and T-Crash show hosting uh, various shows on Saturday and Saturday mornings. How's it been for you personally working with Jay and seeing the growth of the Jay and Z show? It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it hasn't been a year. Uh, we started roughly late October, so we still got a, a few months, uh, quite a bit actually, football season as well, basically before we get to a full year. But it's been a lot of fun. You know, one of the things that I've always appreciated about Jay, even though we never worked super directly together, is – how similarly we both do grind and go out there and try to, you know, be at the events and at games and at all the things around town. And I, I just think that that's an area where we're going to benefit on air a lot. As you know, it's just different being able to, you know, go to some of the practices and be around the team in a different capacity outside of just watching them on game day. It just gives you more of a well-rounded idea of the behind the scenes stuff and, and why players personalities like are a certain way. So I think that's the thing when it comes to J and Z that, that is a little bit more unique. Um, and, and, you know, obviously he has a great relationship with the lightning. I have a great relationship with the Rays. Yeah. We both have good relationships with the other two franchises as well. So I, I think for us, our big focus is really just being a well-rounded show where, you know, it is very sports centric and we're able to kind of take our listeners and people a little bit more behind the scenes. And we think out our, our points and our subjects a little bit more, um, and that's kind of the show that we want to put out there, man. So it's been really good. I, I think that we still are growing in a lot of ways. And, you know, I, I we just we haven't had a full season at all. We'll have our first full right. baseball season, but even football, we started midway. So uh, I think when it comes to training camp specifically and then once, you know, Sundays are back for Bucks fans, it'll give Jay and I a, a fresh kind of jump start on the football season, too. 
Yeah, and I'm a big fan of the show, whether I'm on it or not. Um, I'm listening to it all the time. And I definitely appreciate how you guys kind of mix things up. I mean, we've heard the quintessential like radio station, radio voices and, and opinions year in and year out. So I definitely think you guys bring something different to the table. Now, you've been with WDAE for a couple of years now. I'm just curious overall if you have a favorite or standout moment, maybe particularly with the Bucks, since this is uh, the Peter Report podcast and we're covering the Bucks. Anything to you that really uh, sticks out? Man, we had this moment with, uh, I mean, there's obviously a bunch of things. I, I could always point to the winning, the championship, stuff sure. like that. Um, you know, a moment that I really thought was going to be a bigger moment than it was, I thought it would go a little viral. We had Steve McClendon on after his season in Tampa Bay. He was a defensive tackle, came over from the Jets, if you remember. Yes. And we asked Steve McClendon, we were like, hey, is – there any cool Tom Brady story you have after going through the gauntlet of questions? And the answer that he gave us was Tom Brady eats donuts. And we kind of just went into that a little bit. And uh, I just was shocked by it. That was something that I just didn't expect to be um, said out loud or, or a thing. And we thought it was going to go viral. It did not go viral. <laughs> Uh, it basically just died in the doldrums of our, our audio archive. Um, but yeah, I, that was something that like, it just, it's one you, you know, and that's the funny thing in social media in our world today is like, you might think you have some really cool content or a cool story or a cool tidbit and it'll fall flat. Then you'll have like a throwaway comment or something and it'll go crazy. So that's one of the things that sticks out to me in terms of, um, you know, just that was the first one that popped into my head. We don't talk about it a whole lot because it wasn't a popular conversation. And then being at the boat parade for the Bucks and being able to be at the, uh, you know, the celebration afterwards and experience that. And there's a lot of stories there. Um, the one that I think sticks with me the most was Will Golston yes. handing, handing me a bottle of tequila and telling me to go bottoms to tops with it. And I took like a baby sip. And look, I look, I like bourbon. I, I will drink other alcohols like i don't say no I, you know mm. but i don't tequila is the one that i'm always it's dangerous i'm like get it sure. away from me i don't trust it so i took a little baby sip and uh golston was like no i said take a swig like as if i was some <laughs> clown and so i had to take a full swig and uh i'm glad that he made me do it i'm glad that it happened i it, i felt even though i covered the team and i was around a bunch of stuff and i was on the uh the Peter report or not Peter report boat. I was on the boat with a bunch of other media members and, and Mark cook, God rest his soul was on that boat R. with R. me P. too. And um, just like that, that day overall. And, and I spent a lot of time talking to Mark and the ride over and stuff like that. But, but Will Golson at the very end of it. And then we, I, I got on one of the buses. I didn't even know where it was going. I was with a bunch of like <laughs> the employees and it took me back to the parking lot. And I was like, thank God. Cause it would have been so hard to get an Uber uh, from where we were at. So um, those two things kind of stick out to me the most and just in terms of the interactions that I've had with some uh, some Buck stuff. Yeah, they do say tequila is to kill you. But Will Golston, you know, is the man. And he's obviously great with the media. Yeah. He's great with the fans and everything. So when Will does that, you have to oblige. I actually remember you telling me that because <laughs> I wasn't on the boat with you guys, but yeah. I went directly to where, like, the stage was and yep. where everyone docked after. And I remember, you know, there's a sea of people. There's so many people and it was somewhere in between Bruce being like, F that, we're going for two. And then Vita Vea dunking the water uh, mm -hmm. on, on Bruce Arians, where we ended up like right next to each other. We're like, yep. oh, like, what's up, man? And I remember you saying that, uh, that Will Golson story. But it's so funny what you mentioned before about sometimes you think you have something great and it's going to go viral and 
other stations are going to pick it up and things like that. And then the most random of things gets, uh, you know, gets posted and it blows up. I remember the other day at Bucks rookie minicamp, I posted a picture of Yaya Diaby, the Bucks ground pick, the the edge rusher. Mm-hmm. I really just posted the picture just being like, oh, here's Yaya. This is his number and everything like that. And everyone was like, oh, my God, he's built like a tank. He's gigantic, <laughs> like all of this stuff. So it is so funny and, and, and true what you mentioned. Uh, one last question about WDAE before we mm-hmm. um, kind of go further into the Bucks. Just wondering if there – is any interview that you had or preparing going into that like you were legit either nervous about or one where you didn't maybe have too many expectations going in and you went away going, man, that was awesome. That was amazing. I know you just mentioned Steve McClendon shout out to when he had the interception against the giants, but uh, just wondering anyone doesn't have to be the Bucks specifically, but just uh, in your interviewing experience. Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, you know, I can say, the most intimidated I've ever been in terms. And I don't, I think being in the business, you, you kind of numb yourself to, to that intimidation to diff, talking to different athletes and people in sports. Um, you know, certainly the first time we got the opportunity to talk to Tom Brady face to face, I'll be honest, like it, that was a lot. Like I just remember feeling <laughs> like I felt like a kid at Florida again, just trying to like talk to athletes for the first time. I was terrified. Um, that one will always kind of stick out to me. Cause I, I don't know if I'll ever be in that situation again where I feel that intimidation. Uh, it's just a different, obviously, athlete. In terms of, like, interviews we've done and stuff, I remember the first time we had um, Dickie V, Dick Vitale on oh. in, in the mornings. And, I mean, like, grew up loving him. Like, he's a legend, right, in every way, shape, and form. And for me, we, we were having him on. I was so nervous to bring him in. And I could not get his phone connection to be like a good one mm-hmm. so he was starting behind the scenes he's like i've never had this problem with phones before and like basically it was like blaming it all i mean i know it's technology we can't control yeah. it but i'm just like yeah i'm sorry man like i'm super apologetic and i i remember putting him on and um he started the interview with like i don't know what's going on with that producer back there <laughs> now he's joined dae so many times since he's always been nice to me since but that first time I just remember getting like through that interview and being like, great. One of my heroes, Dick Vitale, like hates me. Like this is, I got to live with this now. (laughs) And uh, fortunately that wasn't the case, but yeah, the phones did not work in my favor that day. That is unbelievable. I'm not even trying to, I I know Dickie V says awesome, but I feel like before he said (laughs) unbelievable, you know, but yeah, that is crazy. Like very difficult to get on Dickie V's bad side. And again, out of your control, but that is an awesome story. I appreciate you. Uh, sharing that with us. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Buccaneers. There's been so much that's went on with this offseason already and a lot more to come, especially around the corner with, uh, you know, Bucks mini camp starting and eventually training camp coming late in the summer. So I thought this was a good time, and I'm glad that I have you on for this. This is a good time to just kind of set the table where it is because, like I said, so much craziness and then a lot more to come already. This is a nice – I wouldn't even call it a halfway point, but just a nice, like – Brief intermission if you're watching a Broadway play. It's a nice little intermission before Act 2 starts picking up before the regular season. But it really kicked off after Tom Brady's retirement for the second time. And as we know now, it was legit. There's no no comeback uh, coming this year. Maybe we'll see him in the NFL uh, owning the Las Vegas Raiders. That (laughs) might be what's coming up next. 
But really, I think the biggest thing that happened to the Bucks early on when free agency started, and you know, Jason Light had talked about we got to find value and we got to find speed. And I think it was so surprising the re-signings that the Bucks made early on with Levante David, who, I mean, what else can we really say about Levante? A leader of this team, a future Bucks Ring of Honor member, should be a Hall of Famer, but never gets the praise that he deserves. And of course, Jamel Dean, don't make a scene. Both of these guys, I think at least, I know Pewter Report, myself, we expected these guys to be out the door signing somewhere else. Go get your money. Can't, can't hate on that. But they both end up back with Tampa Bay for less money than I think both of us expected. That's why for me, Zach, looking at this defense specifically, but the team as a whole, and there's a lot more changes on the offense that we'll get into. When you bring back these core players mm -hmm. on defense, it's difficult for me to sit here and say, oh, the Bucs are going to be terrible this year or they're going to tank because you're sending mixed messages if you're bringing back core defensive guys for a very, very reasonable price. But at the same time, uh, you're preparing for 2024. No, I don't look at it that way. No, I think partially too, like teams can be bad without trying to be, right? So regardless of what does or doesn't happen this upcoming season, the Bucks in my opinion, did as well as you could have in terms of their free agent signings, the guys that they brought back, even the draft, the way it fell to them at 19 in the first round and then beyond. You know, I really do credit the front office and obviously Todd Bowles and his involvement as well, but specifically Jason Light in that front office for making the most out of a very cap, you know, stretched thin team and just knowing Tom Brady's going to be walking away. That era is done. I'm not as shocked that they found a way to bring Levante back because it was a one-year deal, right? Like, it's a sweetheart hometown type of discount. Like, that I actually, even though I was surprised to see him come back, I could wrap my head around that. The Jamel Dean signing still, and, and it's tough because I love Dean. I love the fact that the Bucks were able to bring him back. I cannot figure out why he took such a discount. I mean, you're talking about a guy that could have went out and made a significant chunk more of money every single year for the next four to six years depending on the deal he would have gotten elsewhere he would have been a cb1 uh versus the two which he is here behind carlton davis and again great for the bucks he's still making a ton of money so i'm yeah. not like sad for him but well below market value i mean i gotta go back and look at the numbers but i think where he was projected was like 17 to 18 he ended up getting what like 13 roughly a year right obviously yeah not including incentives and a bunch of other things, but flat looking at it. I mean, you're talking about like a four to $5 million difference per year that he gave up the stick in Tampa Bay. I mean, that's just mind blowing to me. And it's, it, it is ironic because remember we thought there might've been a rift in the postseason where he didn't really play much against Dallas. Yeah. Obviously we know that that was more injury riddled than anything. And he said, Todd Bowles was like a father figure to him. We actually had him on air the day after he resigned. And um, just the whole the whole thing basically surrounding Jamel Dean and, and him returning well below market value. I just, it's tough because obviously I credit the front office. I'm happy for the bucks. And again, he's still making a ton of money, but I just can't put reason or logic into him taking such a massive discount to stick in Tampa Bay. It defies logic and reason, to be honest. It really does. Cause you look at today's business and obviously with Devin white and that whole situation that's going on, all you hear all the time is, the NFL is a business. It's a business. A player gets cut. Well, that's just, that's just the nature of the game. That's how we look at it. And so I think it is odd at times, but just from talking to Jamel during the season in the locker room and 
uh, in general, he's a guy that knows what he wants. And he's doesn't he's a great teammate. Uh, he gets along well with everybody. Obviously, the secondary has brought together the whole grave digger mantra. And you have to have an ego to play in the NFL, but he doesn't have an ego. And when I say that, in terms of he doesn't have an ego that's like detrimental to the team in any way. So I think for Jamel personally, for him, it's just all about having a peace of mind. Yes, he could go somewhere else and be the number one guy, get paid millions and millions of dollars. And you're right, Zach. I mean, he was on every list. NFL.com, Pro Football Focus has like not just the top corner available, one of the top free agents available. So he could have went somewhere else. But he kept that poker face. I remember Jason Light was saying that uh, he ran into Jamel Dean, I think at Eulalie, like a couple of days before he signed that contract and like didn't stonewall him by any means, but was essentially not saying like, oh, I'm going to resign. But I think Jamel being a, a Florida guy, being in this community for quite a while, sometimes a peace of mind more than anything else is is what a player wants. You don't see it all the time. But I think that's the case for Jamel Dean. And then to your point about Levante David, man, it would have been tough to see him go out the door. It is – I actually did want to bring up as well. The Bucks did the same thing two years in a row with, you know, Carlton Davis the offseason before. Everyone was livid that they didn't yeah. um, give him the franchise tag. It ended up going to Chris Godwin. It was like, how could you not franchise tag Carlton Davis? And then they ended up getting him for – a couple of million cheaper than that would have cost them if they franchise tagged him. So again, credit to Jason Light for that. But Levante, the sentimental value, I think obviously it was big. And then the fact that Bobby Wagner, that was the biggest thing for years is Levante, Bobby Wagner. And then Wagner gets a huge contract from the Rams. Mm-hmm. The best thing that happened to the Bucks was that the Rams let go of Bobby Wagner. And then you saw other teams go, all right, well, maybe we're not going to pay him that crazy amount that he received when he first went to Los Angeles. So I think more than anything else, um, that is what helped the Bucs get Levante David back in Tampa Bay for this season. Now, that's one side of the equation with inside linebacker. The other, of course, is get live 45, Devin White. And that's probably outside of the quarterback competition, which, of course, we will get into in a little (laughs) bit. But the the Inside linebacker situation with Devin White. I know I was on your show the other day and we were talking about whether it would hurt the team going into this year. But as far as what Devin is asking for, he wants to be one of the highest paid inside linebackers in the league, uh, $20 million per season. He's about to get $11 million this year. I'm curious to get what you think, but I just don't think Devin White at this moment is worth $20 million a season. That's not to say he's a bad linebacker. He's just not a $20 million a year linebacker. But curious to get your thoughts, Zach. I also don't think he's there yet. I mean, look, there was a lot of question marks at different points in the season last year. There were some highs, right? NFC Defensive Player of the Month there at the beginning. We obviously know that at the top of his game, he is one of the best linebackers in the league just in terms of when he's on his a game but I think that there were moments that the Bucks obviously even question or that contract or some kind of deal would probably have already been done with Devin White it's tough because you draft him to be the future they put a C on his chest last year he was a captain right like you want him to lead your team and if he is a leader and he's doing a good job 
you know, and in a perfect world, you're probably going to get paid like the best at your position if you're playing like it. I just think that there's still a little bit, like it's not a lot that he has to get situated with Tampa Bay. If he can just clean up a little bit of some of those plays in coverage, some of those effort plays where he has to keep with the guy that has the ball, even if he's five, six players behind him compared to the rest of the Bucks defense, like stuff like that, that we've found on film last year and are able to poke holes in his game. That's us just watching leisurely. You know, the Bucks when they're talking big money, you're also watching the same thing, Matt. So I, I don't think he's there yet. But I also think that he has a million opportunities, assuming he plays and everything this season, to prove he's worth that money. And I think if he does so, the Bucks will find a way to make him happy uh, when it comes to his next deal. But he's got to get that situated, and he's got to get through some of the things that, that I think still have even the Bucks questioning if he's worth the highest-paid contract in the league at middle linebacker. Um, and then I think the other question, which we won't really see this year, is who is Devin White when Levante David's not around? And I think that might be something, too, that's holding back the Bucks from a front office standpoint and giving him this massive deal. Now, in terms of his teammates and, and what he can bring to the squad this year, I think that if he comes in and does his job and goes to work, it'll all be fine. And I think if he plays and performs at a high level, when it comes to the fans, they'll be more accepting of him. So like, just like winning cures all, elite play from one player cures ales as well when it comes to the perception of that guy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So he's got a lot in front of him. I just don't know how many Bucks fans, I don't know how many Bucks media members, I don't know how many people that are actually employed by the Bucks outside of the guy named Devin White would give him that type of deal right now, Matt. So he's got, he does have work to do, but I don't think it's as much work as some people were making it sound like. Like I, I do think he's, been disrespected a little bit just in terms of how some of the fan base has chatted about him and his abilities you know I think he's one of the best linebackers at middle linebackers in the league but I, I don't necessarily think he's a the top middle linebacker um you know maybe he's he, I would say it's safe to say he's top 10 you know you're talking top five top three like that's a hard group to get into yeah I, I would agree top 10 he's right around that range and for Devin, I agree with you. Winning cures all. I mean, there was a time. I don't know why this this one always pops into my head. It's not even Bucks related, but Albert Hainsworth back in the day, he stepped on a guy's face, like with his cleat on a guy's bare face, and then yeah. had a great year and got that huge contract. Then he was terrible with Washington, but at the time he was playing great, and people just let it go that he stepped on the guy's face. If Devin plays well this year, all will be forgiven, and it is absolutely true where. Bucks fans, you know, they ride or die for their team. And that's why mm -hmm. I think it hurt a lot of people when Devin kind of did what he did. Pretty much skipped the step of like holding out of OTAs and just immediately went to I want to trade, which I thought was a little bit of an interesting move. But this is the perfect example of put your money where your mouth is. You think you're you think you deserve $20 million? All right, great. Go out and prove it. And even if the Bucks don't give it to you. Another team will, maybe the Philadelphia Eagles, because Devin loves commenting on the Eagles' uh, Instagram for whatever reason. When Drives me nuts. That. That's that's one of the parts, Matt, by the way. Yeah. Like, what are you doing, man? Like, what are you doing? 
I, I mean, I understand social media. I, I get it. But like, why it was just it's so unnecessary to go on these eagles posts and, and be like oh i look good in green or whatever like i just it's so unnecessary that part bugs me um but again you know look if he comes out and he's having interceptions and multi-sack games and, and a crap ton of tackles and not getting beat in the past game and coverage like people forget about that real quick next season yeah, they will. And it, it was a very funny scenario that everyone was in because Devin doesn't have any really arguing points or anything like that in terms of both sides were handcuffed. Devin, if he would have sat out, he still would have had to play another year. Would have been the Le'Veon Bell situation where he just accrues another year but doesn't get the money that was paid mm-hmm. for him. And then he still has to play for Tampa Bay next season. On the flip side, the box before the draft, and they ended up drafting uh, Servasi Dennis. I don't love the depth outside of Levante and Devin White. So the box were in a tough situation thinking, oh, man, I, we didn't think we were going to have to worry about inside linebacker until next season. And then even then, you might have to still replace two guys. But they did go out and get um, Servasi Dennis going, into, uh, going in, in and out of the draft for this year. And I really like what you had to say about how Devin White looks without Levante David. Because we don't have a huge sample size of that. But there are times more in the 2021 season where uh, Levante missed some time. He had that list Frank injury, uh, missed mm-hmm. towards the end of the season, came back for the playoffs. But, I mean, <laughs> no one will remember it because something else happened in that game. But when the Bucs played against the Jets, it will be remembered as the Antonio Brown game. But let's remember, <laughs> the Bucs were huge favorites going into that. The Jets had no one playing on their team. And even who they had on that roster, many guys were out with injuries. And the Jets consistently ran it down the throats of the Bucs. And they would have lost that game if they didn't run a stupid QB sneak on fourth and two. But again, (laughs) that's just the Jets being the Jets. Yeah. Um, But Devin White got exposed a lot in that game with Levante David not around. Levante many times has been... The uh, I don't want to say protector, but he's cleaned up a lot of the situations where Devin White would have looked bad on the play, but Levante was there to save the day. And, you know, that's why Levante is going to be a future Bucks Ring of Honor member. But outside of that, KJ Britt, good on special teams, but I don't trust him to be a, a spot starter, kind of like Kevin Minter was back in 2020 and 2021 as well. But that's when his game started to slip off. That's why I'm really excited about Servasi Dennis. I'm not sure how much you know about him, Zach. I, I know he did play a pit. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm just excited about him. I think he could be a future starter, maybe not right away, but he moves pretty well and um, had a nice interception in practice. But the Bucks at least took steps in the right direction to eventually figure out the, the linebacker situation because I hate to say it, but one day Levante David will not be playing inside linebacker for the Bucks anymore. Hopefully, that, just a retirement. Is that breaking news? Are you breaking news here on Levante David? I'm breaking hearts. I'm breaking everybody's <laughs> hearts, unfortunately. Uh, hopefully, that day isn't for another two seasons from now. But the Bucs yeah. did start preparing for the future, and I'm excited about what Servase Dennis can bring. I, You know, I, I, I think it's interesting. So, they don't have a lot of depth, right? So, with Dennis there, you almost assume, like, just even if he's even if you don't have faith in him, let's just say you're not optimistic about his future as a starter in this league. It's not like there's other guys they're grooming or other guys on the roster. Like it's right. thin. So I think just by default, he's there now. If you like him, even better. Did you see? Uh, I was watching. I need to go back and watch it because I just caught it after our show today uh, on DAE. 
the the episode of Inside the Draft they did with like Kalijah Kansi and a bunch of the guys um, on the Bucks official YouTube channel. There's a video right before they take Kalijah, and it, it appears that Jack Campbell, the linebacker taken by the Lions, yeah, at it, Iowa, it appears he was on the Bucks big board, and it was like him or Kalijah, and he went a pick earlier to Detroit, so it didn't. It made the Bucks decision easier. They're hoping one of those two guys would be there as they got closer. Um, and Detroit took Jack Campbell, but I, and, and again, I, I have to go back and specifically watch that clip again. Cause I was just kind of going through social media on it. Yeah. But the fact that it, according to that video, it appears he might've been the picket 19. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means the bucks aren't committed to Devin white beyond this year, or if they're just thinking, okay, well, we're going to need to pair Devin white with somebody else who's really good. So if we can get him there, or if it's just a little bit of both, right? Like, well, yeah. we hope to keep Devin with him, but if we don't, at least we have one guy that we can trust in the middle moving forward. I, I would be interested, and I'm, you know, I haven't really talked about this yet. Like I said, we got it at the end of our show. This is the first time I'm breaking it down and riffing off about it. I, I'm interested to hear your thoughts, Matt. Like that info on Jack Campbell, like what does that mean? The perception is about this middle linebacker position, even with, and that's not to take away away from Dennis and like what he brings to the team or could, you know what I'm saying? Because that's the reality. He's the other guy in the mix now on the yeah. roster. But I wonder what it says about that position group in general that Jason Light and his team would have potentially, like, let's say Kalijah Kansi went to the Detroit. It appears that the Bucks would have drafted Jack Campbell in that scenario. Um, I don't know what that means about Devin White and the crew. Yeah, I mean, everything they've said to us, really, whether it's up at the, the podium or a lectern, as I've learned. I've been calling it a podium for years, but allegedly it's a lectern. Well, you um, pound but- the podium. What do you do with that? Like, what's the... Uh, you you lambast the I don't yeah. know <laughs> yeah all I can think of is lick the lectern but no one would really do that <laughs> if you're looking for alliteration <laughs> but nonetheless yeah Jason Light said we fully expect Devin White to be there uh, Todd Bolson said the same thing uh, the best was Larry Foot just being like it's it's champagne problems that's essentially yeah. what it comes down to what is funny too is Jason Light had been on record saying. Yeah, this isn't really a good inside linebackers class. But with that said, there are still a couple of good prospects in every class, even if it's not an overall great depth at that position. For sure. And I do think it's a little bit of an insurance policy, but also just straight up the fact that you have to replace Levante at some point. And if the Devin thing flares up even after this season, you have to find his replacement. Now, they could go through free agency as well. Uh, like next season it's not like they just have to build through the draft and that's it we saw some other great free agent signings by the bucks finding that value greg Gaines at defensive tackle ryan neal at safety obviously played Mm -hmm. for the seahawks i think the bucks are going to try to find with ryan neal what they got from shaq barrett when they first signed him from denver a guy that was behind other talented players at the same position now he's going to get a full opportunity to uh, be a starter and Neil did get to start with the Seahawks last year, but that was out of necessity with injury. Um, Yeah. It's interesting to see how this bucks defense is really shaping up with some of the free agent uh, signings that they are making. It's very exciting. You know, we talked about Devin white, his mantra is get live 45. That's how he pumps pumps himself up. That's how he gets energized. I know on the pewter report podcast, we get energized with Celsius energy drinks. Of course, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. We love Celsius for a variety of reasons. I mean, they have so many different flavors. It's like they have new flavors coming out every single day. One of their newest ones is the Oasis 5. 
Can't go wrong with the sparkling lemon lime or the classic orange as well. They got a, a creamsicle one too. My personal favorite is Arctic Vibe. And of course, you got the uh, strawberry lemonade is one of my favorites as well. Uh, zero sugar, no crash or, or jitters that you get from other products out there. So if you want to know where to find a Celsius energy drink, go to the store locator on the Celsius website, punch in your location, and it will give you the most accurate, the most direct location where you can find one at your local Walmart, Target, 7-Eleven, your convenience store, or your bodega, as I like to say. <laughs> so uh, after you go to your bodega and you realize you love Celsius and you want more, that's great. Go over to Amazon, go online to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save and start getting Celsius in bulk because there's so many great flavors. Why limit yourself to one? Get the variety pack because variety is the spice of life. And you can have it sent to your house or apartment every week, monthly, quarterly, yearly, whenever you want it. Set it up to uh, what fits for you best. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. Uh, before we start talking about the offense, Zach, just curious um, what you're looking for for the defense this year or any player or position most more specifically uh, you plan on watching because – it's a, still the core nu nucleus, some new guys like Ryan Neal I was just talking about, but uh, any improvements you want to see or players that you're going to be watching? Well, first of all, Arctic Blast is the blue raspberry one, right? I've been smashing those lately when it comes to Celsius. Yeah, there's a that's awesome, man. Love hearing that. <laughs> um, there's the Arctic Vibe, and then there's, Arctic. The, there's the blueberry pomegranate as well. They're very similar tastes with like the blueberry in general. Okay. Yeah. There's yeah. one that, that maybe it's, I know the Arctic blast one sounded familiar cause I'm pretty sure that's the one I've been getting lately. So it sparked my, uh, my attention there. I was like, okay, that feels right. Nice. Um, when it comes to the Bucks defense, man, I mean, I, for me, it's the pass rush, right? Like, you know, God bless Shaq Barrett and all the things that like his family's going through yeah. coming off of a major injury. I, I just think he's clearly the best pass rusher on the team, but when it comes to a football conversation, emotionally and physically, Bro, there's no way to know what he's going to be like come week one, come training. And, and again, you know, I think this is the one time where even the most diehard Bucks fan can be like, that's fine. Like, let him, whatever he's got to do, like, even even though it's a ways away now, the fall and that, like, that's not necessarily something that I think Bucks fans are going to be critical of, Jack Barrett and his return early on. Um, but he's the best pass rusher. So let's just say that him as a mystery right now for multiple reasons. So we're relying on who to be the pass rusher that really puts pressure on opposing offensive lines and quarterbacks. Joe Trinastroyenka, like, it's so tough for me to buy into JTS. And not that he can't be a good player, but a game wrecker, a game changer, a guy that's yeah. going to get double-digit sacks. I mean, and the thing is, is he does find himself in the backfield a lot. But if he's over pursuing and he's behind the plays that are way in front of him happening because he just ran past the quarterback or he ran past the running back, on a handoff, like it doesn't really help the team. So I, I think it like has to be him. And, and that's a scary proposition. Um, but I, I would love to see him make, take the next step as a pass rusher and, and be able to really do some things. I remember Matt, I had as much stock in Noah Spence as anybody in Tampa Bay. <laughs> and uh, I, 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 I was vulnerable. So I'm like, I'm being very wary about JTS here as we uh, move into another season. First of all, I agree with – I was saying on yesterday's show, I agree with everything you said about Shaq. I mean, obviously, it's a heartbreaking situation. I can't even put myself in the shoes of what he's going through right now. 
and you add that on top of the Achilles injury, I have no idea what to gauge or how to what to expect from Shaq Barrett this year. It's just way too difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, like I want him to have a bounce back slam dunk type of year because if anyone should, um, it should be him for what he went through. For Joe Tryanchenka, very much the jury is out on him. He is the definition of close, but no cigar. What I will say for him and Peter Port's Josh Capo is, is the one banging the table or lambasting the lectern for Joe Tryanchenka. <laughs> Uh, you know, Anthony Nelson led the team, the outside linebackers, I should say, in sacks last year with five and a half. JTS had four. But some of Anthony Nelson's sacks were just the product of the, the offensive lineman just completely whiffed the, on the block or went in the wrong direction, and he was square in the backfield like it's no issue. Joe Tryon-Shanka actually led the Bucks in quarterback hits and quarterback pressures. He had 16 quarterback hits last year so he was he got there more than any other outside linebacker the next closest mm-hmm. was actually a three-way tie between jts uh sorry uh carl nassib anthony nelson and shaq barrett all with six so we're talking about jts just doubling up on them and even a little bit more i do find interesting as well and it, this is apples to oranges but we say sometimes with quarterbacks on bad teams and the bucks haven't been a bad team but quarterbacks that go through so many different coaches and offensive coordinators, it could screw with their head. You know, you got to learn a new offense every single year. So this mm-hmm. isn't exactly the same by any means. But JTS has had a different outside linebackers coach every single year that he's been in the league. And this year, he gets to work with George Edwards, which I think is really interesting because Edwards worked with Micah Parsons. And obviously, when you have a crazy talent like Parsons, I don't know how much coaching you can really do. He's just a freak athlete and an, an exceptional player but if there's anything that he can bring from Parsons and share that wisdom to Joe Tryon that's going to go a long way with him this is a big year for him no doubt because uh it's kind of put up or shut up time with JTS I mean he was my breakout player last year and obviously did not come to fruition I mean he's got the size the speed he's built like the Hulk and it just hasn't fully been there yet and now with Yaya Diaby in the building and Anthony Nelson obviously getting that contract I don't think the Bucs are going to sit idly by and and just let JTS continue to be close, but no cigar. He's He's got to put up some more numbers this year without question. I uh, want to say shout out to everybody uh, watching the show right now. The Pewter people got some uh, great comments. I've been putting some up. We also got a super chat from UK Prince. Thank you very much, UK Prince, for the 999 super chat. You actually got two comments here. We'll answer them both. If you super chat us, we make sure we get to it right away. First, he was talking about uh, Devin White. He said, I think Devin is sponsored by Jumpman. All the Jordan fits going to his head, LOL. Devin White actually has the same birthday as uh, as Michael Jordan. So there is a little bit of a tie-in there. But, yeah, a lot of his Insta stories and Insta posts are about – it's either riding horses or uh, Jordan shoes. So um, Well, here's the thing, though. If he's sponsored by Jordan, he's getting all that gear for free. The money's for yes. the horses. That's yeah. for the stables. He doesn't need it for the, uh, the new Air Force <laughs> – ones that are coming out or whatever that you know what i'm saying he's he's taking care of when it comes to the jordan brand that is true uh the other question by uk prince talking about the offense now do you guys believe that syracuse running back will start by mid-season You're talking about sean tucker the uh andre the free agent of course out of syracuse as as you just alluded to i'm a big fan of sean tucker um he the only reason he didn't get drafted is because he had that heart condition and unfortunately he obviously has to deal with that but signs are pointing to that he's going to be fully ready by training camp when it gets going or at least at some point in training camp 
Do I think he's going to be the starter? No. They got a guy named Rashad White who I think is is due to have a great season now that he's the full-time starter. It's his room. Crazy to say that because he's only in year two, but it is Rashad White's room. He should be RB1. He's too humble to say it himself. But with the new dedication to the run game that Dave Canales is going to implement, I think between the offensive line just absolutely beefing up Matt Filer at left guard, Tristan Wirfs moving to left tackle, the dedication to running the ball, the creativity in running the ball. We're not going to see all these first down runs. The Bucs are going to throw it on first down to set up the run on second down. I think Rashad White's going to have a big year. I do think Sean Tucker can compete to not only just make this roster, but maybe get all the way up to RB2. But of course, a lot of this run game implementation is going to start with their new offensive coordinator, Dave Canales. So Zach, just curious, what your thoughts are about the the signing in general when it first got made, and then your impressions of Dave Canales just in, in the couple of times that the media has gotten to speak to him, and, and what the plans are for Tampa Bay. Refreshing, um, you know. Byron was just a broken record, and it wasn't a good sound that we were hearing <laughs> week to week. Um, I just so frustrating to to kind of try to pick his brain and have conversations with him and hear others have tried to have conversations with him. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure him and JC Allen are far from best friends after some of the chats they had last year uh, <laughs> over there in some of those media scrums. But I love the energy Dave Canales brings. I think the way he's approaching the offensive coordinator role is going to be something that it really resonates with a lot of these players. And it's so funny. I was talking about this today. I, I think one of the things that are really – benefit the Bucks this year to have success versus be a bottom feeder is embracing that confidence and that swagger, which similarly is kind of what Baker Mayfield is known for. And I know we're going to get to the quarterbacks, but I get that same kind of vibe from a guy like Dave Canales. Now it's more calm, cool, and collected with him. He's almost like soft-spoken in the way he, he talks about things, but you can tell the guy's full of confidence. You can tell the guy it believes in what he's doing and what he's preaching. And I think that goes a long way with players. Um, you know, the one thing I'll say about him is, is being a first-time play caller is no walk in the park. And I think if you want to talk about a learning curve the first, you know, month of the season, nobody's going to feel that more than a guy like Dave Canales. Uh, I heard some of the questions y'all had for him the other day to start these uh, the rookie training uh, practices and stuff about the playbook. And he's like, yeah, we're just – we're still at the core part. We're trying to – like he's got a long way to go to getting the playbook done, to calling the plays – and, and calling plays is one of those things, Matt. You're only going to get better through experience. So I think we have to be mindful of that. I do think he's going to have these guys ready. I think they're going to look good in training camp. I like the approach. I like the mindset of balancing it out. It seems like all of his assistant coaches and the other people in the building love the fact that he's going to try to run the ball more than Byron did. Like that's a pretty common uh, thing that I think we're getting from some of the answers of other coaches and people in the organization based on his approach to balancing it out a little bit more on offense. I just, I hope everybody's patient with him because I, I think we're going to have to be, especially again, early on as he tries to adjust to being the play caller. It's a tough thing. Yeah. I try to preach this to, to fans and people that watch the show or just watch the NFL in general. People hate the word patience in the NFL, whether it's a coach that struggles, a GM that maybe whiffed on a pick or a, a player that takes a little time to develop. People want instant gratification. And I get it. That's kind of the world that we live in today. You want instant gratification. And whether it's someone like 
Logan Hall last year or uh, Luke Gedeke as well that, you know, they didn't come out firing out of the gate by any means and people are ready to move on from these guys already. It's like, let's settle down a little bit. You know, you got to plant the seeds. You got to give them a little more time to develop because when you see what happened is Bucks fans in general, I love them. Bucks fans got spoiled with Tristan Wirfs and Antoine Winfield Jr. in 2020, just immediately dominating the scene. That just doesn't happen all the time. And credit to Jason Light for making those moves. So with Dave Canales, I totally hear you, first-time play caller. Um, he did address that, saying that he called a ton of plays, like in Seahawks practice. He was able to do That's it. That's not the same. Exactly. It's not and, even and the, close. I'm, I'm completely with you. With the preseason, too, but – once those lights come on, and I know he's been great at adjustments. He talked yeah. about a great adjustment that the Seahawks made. Until you're actually in the thick of it, in a game where you're judged by wins or losses, there's definitely going to be that adjustment period. But with that said, everything about his attitude, we've called him this, the human Celsius on this show because he is so <laughs> energetic. He's so into everything that goes on. I think that's really going to brush off on the players. And I think just having a breath of fresh air with the new coach, with the new mindset in there, regardless of it was Canales or anybody else mm-hmm. last year was just frustrating, man. Agreed. It was absolutely frustrating. The predictability on offense. So just getting anything in there uh, is going to be a big difference. Then of course, one of the selling points on Dave Canales is the fact of who he worked with in Seattle last year with Geno Smith, turning him, turning him into a pro bowl quarterback. And of course the Bucks have a quarterback competition on their hands with Baker Mayfield and the former Florida Gator, Kyle Trask. So, Zach, just curious to get your opinion, how you look at this competition. And, of course, you being a former Florida Gator, just your opinion of of Kyle Trask, if he could get the job done this year, if he does win that role. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's tough, right? Because it's it's tough for any quarterback to dr- transition to the NFL. I mean, the guy who's competing against Baker Mayfield was the number one overall pick, and he's on his fourth team, right? Like, I, I just I think it's it's very hard to gauge if a guy's college success will transfer over to the NFL on any level, especially at the quarterback position. But that being said, look, anytime Kyle's been thrown into the fire at least in the history we have of that happening to him at any level, he's really rose to the top. So I think Kyle would surprise his doubters. Now, do I think he would play in a way that would preclude the Bucks from looking at a different quarterback in 2024? If there was a scenario where Baker and him kind of both get chances in 2023 and Kyle looks better than Baker and actually has some success. I, no, I don't, I don't know if I trust, Kyle to look good enough, even with opportunity, which I don't even know how much of that he'll get in 2023 to keep the bucks from going out and picking up another QB or going another route altogether in that position. And in that direction in 2024, the tough part for me, Matt, and I've said this either the bucks have given up on Kyle a long time ago, or they've mismanaged him egregiously. I don't think that they gave up on him because he's literally splitting reps with Baker Mayfield. If, if they'd given up on him, it wouldn't be 50-50. That'd be a waste and it'd be detrimental to Baker Mayfield, right? That being said, I think they've just completely mismanaged Kyle Trask the entire time. I think he should have played more against Atlanta. I will continually go back to that and just be like, I understand the idea of Blaine Gabbard as the backup, but in that scenario against the Falcons, should have been a lot more time for Kyle Trask in that game. 
And I think even Dave Canales in his presser, uh, the more recent one that he's had, he had referenced, like, I wish we had more tape on Kyle. But he's the way he said it, the tone that he had was like, they could have had more tape on him, but they chose not to <laughs> find out more about him. So I think it's just been a really bad mismanagement of Kyle Trask. And that's going to happen when you have Tom Brady in town and you're trying to win Super Bowls because the goal is not to have a young guy growing behind Brady. The goal is to try to win Super Bowls, right? And sometimes those things align in one you know season or at the same moment. It just didn't work out that way for Trask and for Brady with Gabbert kind of being mixed in and in the middle. And it just makes me wonder, though, like, what was the plan when they drafted Kyle? Because if you bring in Trask and you think, okay, he could be the guy, well, by all accounts through last season, it was hard to believe Brady was going to come back. I think even the Bucs in their heart of hearts had to think there were moments where maybe Brady was going to retire midseason with all the craziness and tough things he was dealing with in his personal life behind the scenes, right? So for, for Kyle to just be so minimized – Again, either it was gross mismanagement or they just really don't believe in the kid at all. But it's tough for me to think that that's the case because there'd be no point splitting his reps 50-50 with Baker then if that were the case. Um, and that's what they're doing right now. And that's what they've said. Apparently, they plan to do all the throwaway through training camp and preseason and basically up until they start prep for week one to, on a trip to Minnesota to start the regular season. So I, I just feel like, it's been a gross mismanagement of Kyle Trask as a draft prospect, and it's really put him behind the eight ball in an already tough situation of being a starting quarterback in the NFL. And then you bring in a guy like Baker Mayfield, who I, I think he's probably grown as a person and as a, a player. And look, I'll be honest, I like Baker Mayfield. I liked him when he was coming out of the draft from Oklahoma. I thought he was going to. I thought he got a bad rap in, in Cleveland. Um, if you know, if they weren't able to get the Sean. Who knows what he would have done last season there. And I know it didn't work out in Carolina, but I, I, I don't know. Anyways, I'm not as down on Baker as, as many were after the Cleveland situation. Um, But I, I do think that if you're a guy like Kyle Trask, Baker Mayfield's not the type of quarterback that comes in and makes you think, yeah, the Bucs are really believing in both of us. Like he's the type of quarterback, in my opinion, you bring in. And if you're Kyle Trask, you're like, crap, like this is the guy they want to start. Not this is the guy they want me to compete with. It absolutely made no sense why Kyle Trask didn't play more in that game against Atlanta. Because, like, everyone else was getting more opportunities. Luke Edigui got moved to right tackle. What was putting Blaine Gabbert in the game? And we all love Blaine Gabbert, local hero. Congrats on going to Kansas City. There was no point of putting him in the game. When you have a quarterback that's never played in the NFL before and you get a chance to at least see a little bit more of him outside of, what was it, nine passing attempts, yeah. it does make you think, either like maybe that's why they clean so much house uh, on the offensive side of the ball. You know, that lose yeah. moves to the quarterbacks coach. Like maybe they didn't like the way that Trask was really de developing behind the scenes. It is a bit odd to see a quarterback that was third string a year ago automatically jump up. And now he's competing for uh for QB one. You don't see that every single day. Well, Matt, and, and they, let's, yeah. and Matt, let's, let's play off the hypotheticals. Cause this is what we do. Sure. Right. So like, let's say Trask, let's just say he plays, almost the entire game against Atlanta. Let's say he looks really good. We're still probably in the same situation here, but we understand the split with Baker, right? The 50-50. And yeah. we actually believe maybe Kyle can win the job, but the situation's the same. So worst case scenario, or I should say best case scenario for Kyle, he's in as much of a competition as he is now. But the best case for the Bucks, maybe there's a scenario where Kyle just looks awful and they're like, yeah, we're not splitting 50-50 reps with him after what we saw against Atlanta um, from Kyle Trask. 
and and maybe you're giving this year's team a better opportunity to be successful through their preparation for the season with Baker Mayfield in town. I, I just think that you're learning something good either way, and it wouldn't have hurt the team. And listen, they got blasted by Dallas anyways, and Blaine Gabbert didn't play yeah. in that game. So hindsight is 2020, but like we know that it was pointless now for him to not play in that game, and it hurts the Bucs not only uh, – not really last season, but it's hurting them this season not having him play more in that game. Yeah. No, absolutely. Like, you have a chance to see what you can get out of this guy working with some of the better players, and they didn't go for it. And Baker should have never played with that torn rotator cuff, uh, that shoulder injury. Uh, but, you know, that's that kind of just speaks to the gamer that he is. So the big question with Baker really is, are you going to get the Baker that led the Browns to the playoffs and they smoked the Steelers, or the Baker from Carolina Till L.A., obviously had that great moment in L.A., but obviously last season was not ideal for Baker Mayfield. Um, just give me a prediction. How do, how do you see the QB competition playing out? I, I don't know a world where Baker doesn't win the starting job um, because I, I, I think it's plausible. I do see scenarios where Trask outperforms Baker, like mm -hmm. slightly, right? Like not in a way where you're like, okay, well – because I know they're charting every pass, every interception. Like, they're going to have these guys on a Microsoft grid that is a mile long in terms of what they did uh, all offseason, all training camp, all preseason. And even if we're in a world where, like, Trask ultimately has the better numbers, I think it'll be close. And I think they'll go with the veteran. They'll go with Baker Mayfield in that scenario. And that's best case, again, for Trask. Other yeah. scenarios show Baker kind of balling out and just winning it outright. And then I, I really view whether it's Baker or Trask, and I do think it'll be Baker, that first month is a tryout uh, because the bye week's in week five. And if, if you're going to flip is. to a guy, week six would make the most sense to still try to win your season and be a playoff team. Yeah, I hate the bye week where it is in general. Same, but dude. Same. I did – if you wanted to spin it, you could say, well – New offense, Dave Canales, everyone's kind of learning it. Yeah. You can go those first four games and then kind of re reset the the mode and everything with, okay, this is what we did well in the first four weeks. This is what we need to work on. Mm -hmm. If anything, it's better to have like that whole group powwow early in the season than later in the year. Now, in years past, the Bucks have really benefited from having a, a later bye week, most notably when they went on that win streak mm -hmm. during the Super Bowl season when they won, but uh, whether it's Trask or Baker Mayfield, we'll all be paying attention to it because whoever wins that job, that may change on how I bet for the Bucks on their over-unders this season. Of course, if you're going to be betting, go ahead and do it at mybookie.ag. We've all been there before. A weekend trip to the casino canceled because real life came calling. Well, you're in luck because mybookie's new and improved online casino is here to change the game. Dive into a truly realistic casino experience featuring the latest in slots, progressive jackpots, and live dealer action, all from the comfort of your own home. Take advantage of weekly blackjack tournaments and a brand new collection of high-end games for a chance at real cash rewards. The MyBookie Casino provides a Las Vegas experience when the action's in your hands, and the best part is you don't even need to wear pants. Your adventure at the MyBookie Casino begins today with a generous sign-up bonus Using the promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R, one more time, that's promo code Pewter, to secure yourself a sweet deposit bonus. And that's not all, because their revamped loyalty program ensures that you'll be showered with rewards, including free spins, cashback offers, and a host of exclusive VIP perks. 
The more you play, the more you win. Play anytime, anywhere with MyBookie Casino. And, of course, MyBookie.ag. If you use that promo code Pewter, get up to $1,000 with your first deposit bonus. That's promo code Pewter, P-E-W-T-E-R. All right, Zach, as we wrap things up real quick, the schedule came out recently. I'll throw it up on the screen for everybody to see if you're not uh, exactly familiar with the schedule coming up. But for me, starting out, there are a lot of teams that love running the ball, and that's where the Bucks took a step back last season, I would say. And then I do feel that in the middle of the season, kind of right after the Buffalo game where you play the Texans and the Titans, the Colts, Panthers, Falcons, right towards the middle to late November. I think that's a great opportunity for the Bucks to go on a bit of a run. Once everyone understands the offense, teams are the team is gelling together. That's where you could see more wins uh, for this team. How do you see it for the Bucks uh, with their schedule? They're over under six and a half wins. You taking the over or the under? So I think the Bucks are perhaps the team with the largest window of what could go wrong or could go right. Agreed. Um, now, us being in Tampa Bay, obviously, I think we're a little biased in that regard. Like, I'm sure other cities feel that way as well. But I truly do, looking across the league, see the Bucs and think, well, they could win, you know, nine or ten games. They could win four or five games. So, you know, it, it's tough, man. I, it's really tough to believe the Bucs are going to have a really successful year. Um, you know, I, I had them at seven wins. I think that's realistic. So, I guess if six and a half is – the over-under, I have them over by a half a game. Uh, but again, I just think it's such a drastic window of what they could or couldn't do. And, and really, whoever wins that starting job, you know, it'll be interesting because I even if Kyle has, you know, a good run at it, I don't think he's going to go out in week one and win on the road in Minnesota. But I could see Baker yeah. doing that, just willing the team, a young play caller that's never gotten experience and Dave Canales really at the position yet. Like, I could see Baker and them coming out and winning that first week and then, you know, the Bears, that's out of those four first games, a winnable game. I don't know what world they beat Philly, but the NFL is crazy. <laughs> um, and then similarly, you go to New Orleans to wrap it up. Like, I think best case scenario, they go to the bye two and two. And then it's just a matter of like, you know, you, you feel good about having the Lions after a bye week, any team after the bye week. And I, I think the Lions are going to be a lot better, but I'm not necessarily riding their hype drain into the, uh, Super Bowl parade yet like yeah. some are. The fact that they're on opening night is insane to me as a non-playoff team, but I digress. Um, yeah, I, I think it's tough, you know, for the Bucks this year because in years past I've looked at the schedule and I said when you're a good team, it's not about who you play. It's about other teams being like, oh, we got to play the Bucks," you know, or we got to play Team X, but it, obviously in this case it's the Bucks. The Bucs are not a good enough team this year where I do that. It's the other way around. I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. the Bucs have to play Philly. The Bucs, you know, they have to go play the Bills. Like some of these other first-place teams that we saw last year, and the Bucs were a first-place team, so they play that schedule. I, I Man, it's tough because I at 8-10, and 10, if you count the playoff loss, it sucks that they have to leave the Brady era on a loss like that and still play a first-place schedule. I know. It feels a little unfair. <laughs> But because I would have loved to see this team play like a second or third place schedule and mm -hmm. really been like, yeah, you know what? I could see him comfortably winning like nine games or more. But because of that schedule, because of they're moving on from Brady and, and, and a, a brand new play caller in Dave Canales, it just really gets tough for me to pick more than seven wins. Like I feel like that's even – I'm not even confident at seven. You know, I think I think somewhere between five and eight. But, again, it's a big window. So uh, I'd go seven here. Um 
you know, one of the things that we benefit from that is the ability to go see them, obviously leading up to training camp, but specifically in training camp and really see how these guys mesh. And I mean, you know, just if is, is like every year, if we get out there and Baker's slinging it and we're watching some bombs, like the excitement's going to go up. We're going to start to believe that that win total will go up. Um, but right now, we're just knowing everything we know on paper, uh, you know, I got questions about the pass rush. I got questions yeah. about the depth at middle linebacker. I got questions uh, about, um, you know, on the offensive side, the offensive line. I like the O-line, but who's in their natural position from last year? Ryan Jensen, who didn't even play last season because he was hurt. So offensive line is a complete rebuild in that regard. Um, I like Rashad White, and I'm assuming he's going to ball out this year, but we've never seen him as the workhorse. So it's just really tough because a lot of the things that make us feel good we're projecting – feel great about the two cornerbacks. Um, I like the safeties, obviously. I think Winfield Jr., we're going to look back on his career and be like, remember when they tried him a little bit in corner, uh, that final <laughs> break? Yeah. yeah, right? Like, that's – it's bro, that's going to be such a funny thing for us to look back on in his career. But I think he's going to be uh, just solidified there playing his natural position. Um, but I, I just feel like there's a lot more question marks or uncertainties. So it's really tough at this moment to pick the Bucks to win more than seven. It's definitely not as easygoing this season by any means. I do feel, though, if the Bucks can, after that Bills game, if they're at three and four or four and three, I think they're set up to be in an okay situation where, you know, they play a really bad, uh, what do they play? They play a really bad um, AFC South and a mm. not too daunting NFC North. Like, if the Vikings are the best team in that division in the NFC North, there are very winnable games on the schedule for the Bucs. And then obviously playing in the NFC South, if they can sweep either Carolina or Atlanta and at least split with everyone else in the division, I, I can see the Bucs getting to really their same record as last year at 8-9 and nine, or uh, maybe even yeah. go 9-8 and eight this year. And that's maybe a little bit more towards the, the optimistic side. But, hey, you know, you, you don't know until they actually start playing. I think it was Trevor Lawrence the other day said, uh, paper doesn't mean anything. You got to go out and prove it or whatever it was because he was mad about the uh, <laughs> rankings. But uh, definitely not mad that you were on the show today, Zach. Can't thank you enough for joining us. Just uh, let everybody know again where they can find you on social media and you want to plug uh, your show on WDAE. Yeah, I appreciate it, Matt. Always a pleasure to talk to you, man, and, and love what you guys do at Pure Report. Obviously, the whole staff, you know, Scott knows over the years, I've always said that he knows how to put a good team together, and it's no different right now with you and everybody over there. Um, you know, at Zach on the mic, easiest way to follow me across all social. Uh, I'm on everything from Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, even TikTok these days. I'm talking. So nice. at Zach on the mic. Uh, and then you can catch me and Jay Retro, J and Z, every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 3 o'clock at 95.3 WDAE, the iHeartRadio app, uh, 620 AM. And, uh, yeah, man, that's that's just the way to catch me. But, you know, I think similar to you, the one thing I always tell people 24 seven, 365 on Twitter at Zach on the mic, I'll be, uh, I'll be out there. So if you have any thoughts or anything, you can always find me that way. And hopefully, man, we're talking about, you know, a lot more positives with this Bucks team as we start to see them, uh, you know, in OTAs and then more specifically in training camp. Absolutely. Make sure you follow Zach on his social media. And then after you're done following Zach and checking out the J and Z show, Head on over to pewterreport.com and please follow us on our social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We are at Pewter Report. And then our YouTube channel, of course, is Pewter Report TV. Please like and subscribe if you are watching the show. We always got a lot of content coming out, but that's going to do it for us 
on tonight's show. For Zach Blobner, I'm Matt Matera saying thank you, everybody, for watching. And we will see you tomorrow night for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Oh.